Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. People's cognition improves, their attention improves. Students, for example, do perform better in exams following that kind of dose of nature. And also around that same sort of time frame, around 30, 40 minutes of exposure, our stress hormones are shown to be reduced. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of On Jimmy's Farm with me, Jimmy Doherty, and this is the podcast where we discuss environmental issues, but also try and give everyone a slice of the good life. Now, you've just caught me walking through the edge of my woodland, and it's the most perfect evening. The sun hasn't quite set yet, it's just started to dip. You start to get those sort of long shadows. And I've just come to check on a lot of the wild flowers that I planted on the woodland edge, and I'm surrounded by red campion. It's such a beautiful plant and they've all started to come into flower and there's just a whole array of these really cheerful pink flowers which are fantastic for bees and butterflies and also I can see there's a lot of oxide daisies coming up and it's just it's like someone's been through the wood with a paintbrush and when you really get close to these flowers they are just so beautiful and I could already see the aphids have really kicked into gear. There's lots of aphids all over them, sucking the sap. And of course, the ladybird won't be far behind to, to gobble them up. And it really feels that spring's on its way now. It's actually got a lot warmer. I'm in my t-shirt, believe it or not. But so let me tell you about today's episode. I've got a fantastic guest, a real inspiration. She's a trained doctor and also a fantastic gardener and garden designer. And her name is Sue Stewart-Smith. And we have a lovely conversation about the importance of gardening, the importance of connecting us back to nature, but also familiarising ourselves with the natural world, getting your hands in the soil, reconnecting, and the effect that has on our mental health. So I hope you enjoy this chat. It's a really wonderful insight into gardening that isn't the conventional conversation about gardening, is that what to plant when and all the rest of it. And... After the chat, I'll meet you back in this beautiful, glorious woodland looking at my wildflowers. Hello, Sue Stewart-Smith. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, Jimmy, I'm delighted to attend. It's a really interesting subject for me because, firstly, I love gardening. I've always loved gardening. But I love your take on gardening, not just because of the fact of you create something beautiful when you're gardening and it's a lovely pastime, but also the effect it has on our, our mental health. 
Absolutely, no. I think gardening is pretty unique in the sort of extent of beneficial effects it can have for physical and mental health, actually. And there are immediate physical benefits from from being outdoors in the sun and uh, from actually contact with the soil, the microbes in the soil and so on. But also right up to, I think, deep existential benefits for many people there can be uh, a very meaningful aspect of working with nature's powers of growth and recovery and and I heard that again and again in my research from people who'd suffered from a, a loss or a trauma or who had been depressed for example that, that, that those processes, you know, this is the source of life that we're working with really and that can have a profound effect on us. It's so easy to underestimate the powerful effect of gardening because when you go to the garden centre or you watch gardening on TV, it's all matter of fact. It's all about the technical side of it or you buy a pack of seeds or when to plant your seeds and all that that kind of stuff. But what you often miss from so many gardening books or so many gardening programmes is the huge effect it has on our mental health. But I want to talk about your journey into gardening because... You're not someone who went into gardening professionally. You have a medical background. I do have a medical background and I still practice as a psychiatrist. I actually work in a not-for-profit organisation that helps doctors suffering from stress and burnout. And I've been doing that since I left the NHS about six years ago. So, you know, I do still practice and that is my, I suppose, my professional identity. And I came to gardening through my husband, actually. So we married in our mid-twenties. I'd always loved nature and we'd done a lot of walking in nature and visiting wild places and so on and visiting gardens. But I'd never seen myself as a gardener. And I suppose through through seeing how much it mattered to him, I began to feel, oh, you know, I love my husband. I think I better sort of understand a bit more about this. And I, and I did begin to have my own motivation, actually, for growing. The thing that hooked me in was growing herbs because I've always loved cooking. Yeah. So for me, it was about particularly culinary herbs. But also as a doctor, I grew a few medicinal herbs. I was curious about that. And I think everybody needs a little hook that gets them into gardening. And, and that was mine. And, and to be honest, up until that point, I'd sort of seen it as outdoor housework, really. Sort of maybe slightly <laughs> nicer to be outdoors, but I had seen it as a bit of a chore, I have to confess. Let's be honest, right, because everyone hates weeding. I mean, some people like weeding because there's a methodical element to it and you just get down there and you just go through the process. You know, other people just love the design of it or the planting of seeds. And often if there's a couple that are gardening together, one will be flowers and the other one will be veg. You know, there's often a divide there or the herbs. But the, the cooking side of it is a is a way in. But there's something magical about creating your own little environment, your own little habitat in your back garden or if it's a flower pot or whatever it is. And then how it changes. Could you just see a pot of flowers or, you know, a border full of plants? You think, well, that's fairly static. But it changes, obviously, throughout the seasons, but it changes throughout the day as well. And I love those moments of stillness. If it's very early in the morning, Mm. particularly in summer, walking out with a cup of tea, barefoot on the grass, and just taking in those first few seconds of, which I think quite a lot of activity with insects moving around and various bits and bobs waking up, it adds a real stillness to your mind and, and prepares you for the day ahead. 
I completely agree with you. I describe this in my book, actually. It's one of my favourite moments too. And actually, by going out in you know bare feet and pyjamas, you can't really garden. And, and I do think many gardeners suffer from always being active in their gardens and not necessarily taking time mm. to, to feel that you are, we are one of many inhabitants in this garden. You know, we create a space, uh, we may shape it, and that can be very stabilising, actually. It's, it's not to be underestimated, the effects of, of shaping our physical environment like that. But at the same time, we're creating, you know, we're changing the ecosystem. And these days, with climate change and biodiversity loss, this really is something that gardeners can contribute in terms of planting the kind of flowers that will attract the pollinators, all the insects, butterflies and bees and so on. So I think it's very important to have that feeling of being part of the web of life. Yeah, it's, it's true, isn't it? And actually, one of the things I came to see, came to understand through writing my book, was that most of the time we think of gardening as a hobby or an activity. But I think fundamentally it's a relationship. I think it's a, a relationship to place, but also it's a relationship to the plants and everything else that's happening in the garden. And like any other relationship, you have to attend to it. You have to observe what's going on. You have to notice. You have to sometimes anticipate things. So there's a kind of to and fro. Yeah, it's like plugging your fingers back into the soil, isn't it? You're plugging yourself back into a, the natural system. Your book, The Well-Gardened Mind, the approach of gardening, putting your hands into the soil, connected with nature, has this healing power. And, and it's some sort of, well, it is an antidote to our really busy, complicated lives. Yes, I think it is that. I think it's a great antidote to screens in particular, computer screens and our smartphones and so on. And I have to say, I think like many, many people in the first months of the first lockdown of the pandemic, I really noticed that benefit even more than ever. I mean, partly just the huge reassurance that nature was sort of carrying on. The seasons weren't going haywire, you know, the human world may be in upheaval. But so I think we all felt that in various ways, or many, many people did. And I'm certainly, I don't, and I think many people will be like this, I spend much more time than ever before on Zoom meetings and Zoom consultations and so on. And I would just feel my whole sort of, almost my brain relaxing as soon as I went out into the garden. And one of the things we know and the research shows is that spending time in nature and, and fairly brief times have beneficial effects on our heart rate, our blood pressure. But also if, if you walk in nature or you spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes gardening, the, you know, the experiments have shown, research studies have shown that people's cognition improves, their attention improves. Students, for example, do perform better in exams following that kind of dose of nature. And also around that same sort of time frame, around 30, 40 minutes of exposure, our stress hormones, the salivary cortisol levels are shown to be reduced. So there are benefits at many, many different levels. And a lot of them are, are physiological, actually. They're happening at a very basic level. Our bodies and our brains are tuning into the natural world. And after all, that is the, you know, that's the environment in which we evolved. So it's not surprising that we are so sensitive to it. I was about to say, because if you put us back into our natural environment, we'd probably 
prosper a lot more. I mean, have you got any specific case studies or examples where there's been, a, you know, this apparent change in people's well-being when they've had access to gardening or the natural environment? In my book is full of stories because I travelled not the world entirely, but I, I visited quite a number of different countries and interviewed people on different kinds of gardening projects from community gardens. There's an addiction project in the book, a rather wonderful one in Italy at San Patrignano. You know, mental health projects, uh, projects helping people recover from trauma, for example, projects working with veterans suffering from PTSD and prisons. And it was clear... For different groups and different individuals, different aspects of the garden and gardening help them at different stages of their journey. So, so for example, someone suffering from PTSD, the first phase of their treatment is all about establishing a sense of safety. And a garden is an ideal environment to do that because it's a protected space. It's enclosed, it offers a sense of sanctuary, at the same time, you don't feel hemmed in. You know, you can see the sky, you can look up at the trees. So the evidence is that that, that is enormously beneficial for anyone who's suffering from a sort of, of a level of anxiety or, or need to be vigilant in some way. Gardens bring our autonomic nervous system down to a much more relaxed and restorative level. So that's your kind of fundamental, that's where you start from. But, you know, there are many, many other ways that gardening helps people along the way. And I saw that. I heard about it. The mental health issue is the effect of that is remarkable. You talked about San Padriano, and we've had lots of the young people from San Padriano that have come and joined us at the farm, where we've worked with them quite closely. It's a remarkable, huge, great big farm, gardening projects, butchery, dairy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It really helps people that have had addiction problems. But the PTSD element, I used to run the, the military prison farm in Colchester, which was a really interesting thing to be involved with. Basically, you'd have these naughty soldiers that were more rule breakers than law breakers. And we set up the farm that was derelict there. It hadn't been used for years. And we put some cows in there, some chickens and some pigs. And and the soldiers would come and tend to those animals. And a lot of these young soldiers have just got back from Afghanistan and mm -hmm. uh, seen horrific things. And the next minute, they're back in sort of civilian life in the pub on a yeah. Friday night, fight breaks out, whatever else. And, and then they find themselves incarcerated for a period of time. But the idea of nurturing, be it the plants that were growing for vegetables or, or looking after chickens, so it, we weren't going to try and turn them to farmers, but it gave them a window, a different viewpoint and an element of caring and like you say security watching something grow yeah and i think it had a massive effect on their lives and of course with the gardening you, when it comes to mental health you're not saying that everyone's going to be turned into you know monty don or percy no, throw no, or whatever else it's, it's just no. it's just a process no. that allows you to to reconnect with nature and give you another window yes. into the world. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes quite a long time. You know, the, the, um, the participant in the, in the San Patrick Nano project, who I write about in my book, um, and she was a wonderful person to interview, she had spent the first nearly 18 months absolutely hating the gardening. Because fundamentally, yeah. she was full of hate, generally. I mean, she said that herself. She'd got so rock bottom. You know, she's had a very traumatic beginning, in, early beginning in life as well, very difficult life. 
that actually it took her quite a long time. And that's the wonderful thing about that project is that it's a longer term project. So for someone who's very, very stuck, but who still wants to change, in a way, you, we can't always rush human change and human growth and recovery, much like we can't rush the growth of plants. You know, you just have to mm. stay with it and be patient. And the thing that actually transformed everything for her she was working in the flower nursery, so growing petunias that were used to decorate the tables in the big hall where they all eat, but also to sell in the supermarkets locally. And they were really beautiful, vibrant colours, but still, she at that point, she couldn't appreciate them. And the thing that changed it for her was finding these little languishing, neglected cacti plants. And she just decided to rescue them. And she began to care for them. And then they flowered, these amazing little orange flowers. And that was the moment when something really softened in her. And as you said earlier, it is about finding a way to care and to nurture and to feel that life is, life is worth caring about and life is worth nurturing. And that was the moment when she, she kind of understood that. And she, she, put, she used this lovely phrase. She said, I started to taste the serenity of life. Wow, that is a great phrase, isn't it? And that understanding in that, that you can't control everything. You know, mm. sometimes you'll, the, the weather will turn and you'll get a frost and it'll kill your seedlings or things don't come up or slugs eat your cabbages, whatever. And the idea of going, it's all right. That's what life throws it in. You can't control all these things. Yeah. Tell me about one guy that you spoke to, Samuel, who's an inmate. Yes, Yes. He, he, I interviewed Samuel along with quite a few of the other uh, prisoners at Rikers Island, which is the, the main jail complex that serves New York. And it's also a prison for people on remand. So I interviewed some who were on remand and some who were serving sentences. And Samuel was on a, he was a repeat offender for drug-related offences. What was very striking talking to him was he described a phone call with his 80-year-old mother a few days before and he'd been describing to his mother the harvesting of the squash plants that he'd helped originally to sow the seed of and, and to care for and he said to me it was the first positive conversation he'd had with his mother for decades because she had loved gardening at, but also he felt he had something he'd done something good or worthwhile you know, he had something positive to tell her. And that's something, again, which is very easy to underestimate the power of. But mm. gardening, within a few months, actually, you're looking at produce that you've grown or beautiful flowers that you've, you've helped grow. And other people will say, wow, you grew that, you know. Um, and, and you can actually just feel, yes, I've done, you know, other things may be going wrong in my life, but I've, I've, I've brought this into the world or I've helped bring this into the world. So, and for him, it really helped him think that maybe he could begin to change his life. And, you know, I think that's, that's sometimes all it needs is to unlock something like that make it seem possible yeah because everyone has their own stories and when it comes to what gardening gives to them and for some people it's, it's just a love of plants but I think I sort of look at my grandfather and he grew up in East London and during the second world war he went off you know London was heavily bombed and people in the streets houses got blown up and the woman he knew got killed and he'd, he'd come back his son was born just the beginning of the war my dad was born just towards the end but all that stress of course in that generation you never really talked about it you came home after being the REF yeah. and he used to grow in the tiny little back garden this terrace house he used to the garden was chock-a-block with the most amazing roses 
And then in the little tiny sort of greenhouse lean-to, there were begonias, ginormous flowers, those really showy sort of begonias. And I was always like, God, you know, why'd you grow all this, granddad? You know, and it, it, was, it was not gruff, but it was didn't have many words. But mm. when you think a bit about it, it was that in the middle of, you know, in London, in a, in a little terrace house, and you've got two kids, you've just come out of the war. In a way, that was therapy. That was yeah. a way yeah. of creating a yeah. little Eden in, you know, smoggy London in those days. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Absolutely. And it wouldn't have been understood or recognised as therapy. You'll be aware that I write about my own grandfather, who was a prisoner of war in Turkey for the majority of the First World War, having been captured in the spring of 1915, and was very lucky to survive. Returned home extremely malnourished and very, very traumatised. And although my, my grandmother had waited for him, they weren't married yet, and she nursed him very carefully and sort of helped him regain his physical, something of his physical strength. He was still very, very traumatised. And, and I'd grown up with a story from my mother of how it was gardening. It was a horticultural rehabilitation programme that he started in 1920 and lasted 12 months that really changed his life completely, you know, gave him back his life in a way. And left him as a, a lifelong gardener as well. I mean, loved, loved his garden. And he died when I was 12, but I vividly remember he grew colourful chrysanthemums. And he also had a little aviary with birds in his garden. And he had an orchard. And none of this at that time, you know, and there were a lot of projects like the one that he attended that was set up after the First World War. None of this was recognised as being therapeutic. It was seen as vocational, it was seen as training. And it's only much more recently that, you know, that horticultural therapy has come to be called what it is. It was really after the Second World War that it started to have its own identity. 
That's fascinating. Horticultural therapy. And the reason I bring that up is that when I talked about the farm at the prison that I helped run, and, and uh, in Holland and in Europe, for example, care farming is seen as a really important health-giving activity where people that have had mental health problems or whatever it is can spend time working on a farm. And the same is true with gardening. And I spoke to a GP friend of mine and I was talking to her about this. And it's a, it's a thing in Holland. In the UK, it's not really. But the idea of rather than prescribing antidepressants, but we have to prescribe a period of time in a beautiful garden or working on a farm and, and reconnecting with nature. She said, I'd love to do that. My friend is a GP. She said, if I could do that, it'd be fantastic. We were talking about obesity and you know, getting active out in the great outdoors and you know, understanding about food production and uh, getting a healthier relationship with food could help some of these obesity problems. But we don't have that in the UK, do we? Don't, a GP can't get out a pad and prescribe it. Well, we, we're beginning to, actually, Jimmy. We are mm. beginning to. And, you know, the NHS is gradually rolling out a programme of social prescribing for GPs around the country. It's not yet properly funded, as far as I'm aware, but it's a service where people, according to their needs, really, can then be prescribed. It's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be gardening, it might be another kind of creative activity. Uh, It might be walking as well, taking part in a walking group. So there are a range of different possibilities, often depending what's available locally. So I think that is happening. And I think the more that people ask for it, the more it will happen. And the BMJ, for example, in I think the summer of 2020, not 1920, 2020, (laughs) published a meta-analysis of of these kind of projects around the world because they were looking to see, is there enough evidence to support social prescribing of gardening? And they concluded there was. So evidence does matter these days. And so there's no reason to sort of say there isn't any, there isn't enough evidence as it were I think there is enough and and, you know there are also some very interesting GP practices who are sort of pioneering in this area there's the Lambeth GP food cooperative for example where across Lambeth GP practices are, are creating little vegetable gardens often in the sort of underused backyard behind the surgery and it's proving enormously popular yeah, and it has a positive effect. I mean, I've, I've seen the positive effect of growing and, and working the land that's had on people that we've had come and spend time at the farm. You've seen it professionally. You know, I've seen it in schools where schools have started to grow veg and, and every child is involved with growing something and it has a yeah. profound effect on them. Yeah. It's yeah. really important. And I think we've really seen that with this pandemic where people have been locked in their homes and we've been you know, forced to, you know, you've got an hour's exercise a day or whatever else, but you're removed from the natural world somewhat, plus our busy urban lives. That's why I think green spaces, particularly urban green spaces, are so important. A bit like when we used to have, yeah, like public libraries or museums, we'd go out and you'd spend time, find out about the world or whatever else, or get a book. Having a park, having a green space is so important. I couldn't agree more. And one of the arguments in my book is that we've reached a point where access to green space is a public health issue. The epidemiological studies, that's the large population studies, really show very conclusively that proximity to green space enormously improves 
people's physical and mental health. And also it lowers levels of violence, reduces crime. You know, there are many, many, quite some of them quite surprising knock-on effects. People get to know their neighbours better, for example. It's very good at reducing social isolation. So I'm a great believer in the importance of community gardening as well. And with my husband, Tom, we're, we're setting up a, a, small, a small example of that close to where we live in an orchard that we've been developing. But I think in terms of coming out of the pandemic, the more we can develop community-based projects for gardening and involve schools, involve children as well, uh, I, think, I think the better, the better that, that will be, really. It's so important, particularly when you look at town planners and when you you see these new housing estates going up and it's all about numbers of houses per plot, not about the communal space, not about the green spaces that are equally important. And I remember talking about my granddad is that on a Sunday they would go to the park and he would put on his suit and you'd have a walk in the park and there'd be a big fish pond and they'd feed the fish and feed the birds and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It was a that sense of community still being in the middle of London and I think yeah. that we neglect these green spaces at our peril, I think, and it's it's so important. But obviously your love of gardening is entwined in your life, both professionally in your medical training as well now and, and through reading your book. But tell me about your new garden, your garden that you've, you and your husband have designed and, and built together. Is it Barn Garden? It's No, the Barn Garden is our home garden. This garden is in an orchard that's very close to us where we live. And we've been we've been developing it for a few years now. I mean, everything's going very slowly because of the pandemic. <laughs> but we've been working with a local mental health charity, a Hertfordshire-based charity called Sunnyside Rural Trust. And they've got one of their bases is in Hemel Hempstead, which is quite near here. And they have the lease on the old council nurseries. And one of their contracts has been growing bedding plants for for the council, for the roundabouts and so on. But the value of that contract is diminishing and, you know, it's been subject to cuts and so on. And we got together with them probably about four or five years ago initially. And Tom, my husband, spoke to them about the possibility of growing perennials, and which they'd never done before. So... His design practice has been helping them develop that and they were able to grow all the perennial plants that were in his Hampton Court flower show last summer. So so that's a real achievement for them, it was a first. And they will continue growing perennials using a small nursery that we're in the process of setting up at the back of the orchard. And I can just describe the orchard to you a bit. So there's this nursery at the back. Then there's a building in front of that, which was designed by our son, Ben, who's an architect, which will be a a sort of teaching space, a space where we can have events and hold talks and so on, which we can also allow, for example, local schools to use to come and do an away day or, or a morning with us and teach children about nature, about gardening and so on. We've got wow. we've developed links with local schools for that, so we've sort of built we've been slowly building this for a while, and then we also have in front of that building there are two different distinct areas of planting. One is some small vegetable beds which we set up right at the beginning of the pandemic, and and we live in a small hamlet and we offered them to anyone who didn't have a garden near us who could walk here, and that was a great success during the particularly during that first lockdown. And, and the following year, I mean, it still continues to be, but it, people really valued it in a, 
in a much more intense way because of the isolation of the lockdowns. They could sort of chat to each other in the garden perfectly safely. So important, isn't it, in that period? But also what you're planning is fantastic in terms of creating community and and shows you the power of gardening. But also one thing I think is quite special about a garden is that it also, as well as you know, being therapeutic and all the rest of it, it also holds so many memories as well. You can walk around the garden and go, oh, that's where we held reception for so-and-so, or this is the plant that so-and-so gave me, or this is the tree that I planted in memory of so-and-so. That's really important, it holds memories. Yes, places actually do hold memories, and that's partly how our brain works. I think most people can recognise that they can very often remember where something happened, but not exactly how long ago it happened, for example. You know, time is much more slippery, but place, it's been referred to as the index card in our memory system. So, and that makes sense if you think about our hunter-gatherer heritage. You know, it really mattered for hunter-gatherers to remember where that tree was that's got the flowers now, and I'll come back for the berries later, for example. You see, Sue, I always suffer from the problem of walking into a room and have no idea why I walked into that room. So if I planted a few more trees or a few more <laughs> roses, that might, might sort that out. <laughs> it might help, yes. <laughs> you see, I'm always encouraging people to get into gardening, but I think one of the big barriers is that people assume that you've got to have some huge catalogue of knowledge before you start yeah. or you've got to have all the kit and all that kind of stuff. You don't. You don't have to have any of the knowledge, really. you just mm. got to have a go. That's why it's so important that children get their hands in the soil at school and realise that, you know, if you sow a line of radish seeds, they're pretty reliable. <laughs> They'll give you radishes in a fairly, fairly quick space of time as well. Or sunflowers, you know, they're fantastic. So I, it's one of the things I love about gardening is that it is so simple or a lot of it is so simple. But at the same time, the more you get into it, the more you realise there is to learn as well. So, so it's always giving you that stimulation of stretching yourself, trying something new, you know, learning about different plants and so on. But it is yeah. also, in essence, very, very straightforward, provided you water your seeds. <laughs> You know, you don't leave them to languish. They'll give back to you. You know, they'll 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 produce something for you. And there's basic principles, isn't it? For me, that's one of the most exciting things about gardening is seeing that transformation of seeds. Yeah, completely. And and I, I often think when people think of gardening, they think, well, it's it, you're quite privileged if you've got a, a garden at the back of your house or you've you've got a nice couple of acres or whatever. Most people's, you know, when you look at houses today, the front gardens tend to be concreted over or people live in flats there's no room for gardening but there's still spaces and they can be a few pots on a landing or on a balcony or they can even be in a little goldfish bowl these days little terrariums yes absolutely there's all sorts of ways of doing it yeah yeah and houseplants offer great benefit too actually completely and that connection with nature bringing the green inside if you haven't got an outside still has those health benefits definitely yeah it's a magical world that i think everyone has to get into and it's so lovely talking to you to actually get confirmation of the real health benefits because it's something that if you're involved with gardening you know a lot about you think actually I feel more relaxed by mm. gardening you don't necessarily have sort of the results black and white results given to you but you can feel it in yourself but it's so good talking to you to see there is actual evidence that it has a beneficial effect there's plenty of evidence and we've we've only touched on some of it today there's much more in my book 
what you're describing, that feeling that gardeners get, that feeling of, it's a combination of feeling calmer, but also a bit more vigorous too. Um, it's this, this combination which is so appealing about it. You know, when the American Horticulture Association did a survey, I think it was about 20 years ago, they were looking at what motivates gardeners. And they, you know, they had lots of different categories people could, and they, they thought it would be about the produce or the beauty or the this or that. But actually, resoundingly, people said it's how it makes me feel. The sense of achievement, the sense of oneness with nature, it's incredible what a little bit of gardening gives you. And you don't need wellies and you don't need a shed. You know, <laughs> you just need to get involved. Yeah. And most community gardens are very open to, to, you know, people volunteering and so on. So there are other ways if you haven't got your own garden. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's so many voluntary organisations and people that just, you know, love you to come along and say, can I lend a hand? You know, I, I think all ages should get involved with gardening. It's it's such a lovely thing. And, and it's somehow that, I don't know, often it's seen as something you have to be specialised in or whatever. That's all nonsense. You know, it, it's so rewarding in so many ways. But Sue, listen, it's been so lovely talking to you. After speaking to you, I look outside and the sun's shining and I just want to get my fingers in that soil. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I'm heading out to the garden right now. <laughs> <laughs> listen, thanks ever so much and take care. Yes, yeah, same to you, Jimmy. Well, that was the fabulous Sue Stewart-Smith. What a wonderful woman. Really interesting in her take on gardening, particularly with her, her medical background and the importance of us reconnecting with nature. You know, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, if you've got a, a big garden, rambling estate, or you've just got a window box, it really doesn't matter. Growing something really connects us with the cycles of nature and just being amongst green spaces. It's proven to have a really positive effect on our mental well-being. And I know just walking through this woods now and, and looking at the red campion here and the oxide daisies coming up, that's all I'm thinking about. I just concentrate on these simple things and it allows you to, to switch off. It's so important we all reconnect with the green stuff. Get out there amongst nature, urban parks, whatever it is. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please like and subscribe and leave comments wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help new listeners find us. And I will see you all back on the farm for another episode of On Jimmy's Farm. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.